considers much of um, <coughs> the present sort of new Islamic view of events and of the world, there's a very definite narrative of fallenness. There's a nostalgia for, the Med- for Medina and for the uh, and for the uh, the generation of the, of, of the people of Medina who established, the rightly guided people who established the, the Khilafat. <coughs> and then there's this idea that we've been kind of a, on, a, on, a, on a downward trajectory ever since then. Um, <coughs> and then we've, uh, if you'll be aware of it with the Marabi tomb, we've added to this uh, further idea of sort of deep spiritual fallenness with the use of paper currency in the modern banking system. We aren't unique in these views. This is a very Christian view. This idea that we are a lost lot. We are, we are a fallen. We are fallen from grace. I don't think this way of looking at things is at all constructive or useful. There wasn't a per- perfect beginning uh, that then wound down to this sort of miserable <coughs> end. Because the assumption that underlies that view is that the, the beginning determines the end. That is just not how things are. What you have to understand is that the beginning only, that which is past, the beginning only exists in narrative. You can't take me back to the past. So the only thing that remains of the past is our account of it. And what you've got to understand about that account is that it's an extremely malleable thing. So if I asked you, 
as we've done in some of the exercises we've done here, to write down the 33 points that you think have made who you are today. The 33 major events of your life. It would be like the basic plot of a, of a, of a, of a novel, of a book. I was born and then this happened to me, that happened to me, that happened to me, and now today I'm here. Those 33 events. If all of us listening to the story, if you then started to recount the story, reading through the 33 events and explaining to us what happened to you, would give, uh, uh, give you a, a title for this book that you've just described. We'd probably have very similar titles. And if you were to then come up with a title, your title will probably be informed by the titles we gave for your book. And it appears, therefore, that your, your narrative of the 33 events inspired our title, and that then would inspire your title. But the truth of the matter is exactly the opposite happens. What you've got to understand is that you already start off with a title for your life in your mind. You decide what your life is now. I mean, if you choose 33 events that you think are the significant 33 events of your life, surely more things that have happened to you than, than just 33 events. So what makes you choose those 33 events rather than another set of 33 events? In other words, you already have um, a metaphor you already have a title for your book in your mind, and you reconstruct the story in reverse. Now, this might sound an obvious thing, but the implication of this is that it's not the biographic account. It's not the past that defines you now. It is you now that defines the past. You can choose any number of titles to your book. In fact, I could give one to you. I could say, The Sadist. And you will find 33 events in your life that will vindicate that story. Or we could say, the sweet person. And you'll find 33 events that will vindicate that. In other words, you are now, and your biography is now what you choose it to be. You are not the product of your biography. Your biography is your product. It is not the beginning that defines the end. It is the end that defines the beginning. We have this naive view that we are, we are kind of, there's this momentum of time and of history that kind of pushes us inexorably forward one moment after the next. And we're kind of like, we're, we're, we're helpless against the weight of the baggage of this history. How can that which is illusory have a weight? Outside of the bubble of what we are in this room now, the past is nothing other than recollections. It's a story. Change the story if it doesn't suit you. Find a different interpretation to the story if it doesn't suit you. But stop telling yourself that I'm miserable now because my past makes me miserable. Change how you understand the past. What you've got to understand is this very moment that we're sitting here is the point of everything that has gone before. It's, 
it is the it is its purpose and every moment that you're alive in that moment is the purpose of everything that has gone before it is not the subordinate to it is not the outcome of it is the zenith of it is the it is the it is the purpose of and any point that you can get to you can get to in such a way that vindicates everything that happened prior to that You know, when we look at somebody's life, when we look at the person messing up, we say, this thing's not going to end well. You know, who are you to say this thing's not going to end well? Because whatever the end is, what that person makes of that end re-engineers the entire story. Shari Shabano put a very interesting... Um, thing on, on Facebook recently on, on her take on this exact phenomenon. And she said, imagine, <clears throat> imagine you went to a movie and uh, the plot was all, was, was, was depressing and there was murder and mayhem and, and, and infidelity and disloyalty and all sorts of things that... Uh, and, and it ended in this kind of completely disjointed and kind of almost meaningless story, a depressing story. You would leave the movie house not only depressed, but probably thinking I've wasted my money. Because the thing ended so bad. But if the story had all of this, this, these kind of peculiar threads to it and sort of seemingly meaningless events, and suddenly it all came together at the end in an incredible climax, which, which uh, made sense out of the whole story, you would say, well, that is, a, well, that is a wonderful movie. So it's not the plot of the movie that defines how you experience the movie, it's the end of the movie. How does this thing finish? And so too, it's true for the movie of your life. How's this thing going to finish? You might look back at your life and say, my life has been such a mess. I've done this and I've done that. And I've, I've been involved in this thing and I've been involved in that. And now I'm just, it's a sorry mess because I've made all of these bad decisions in my life. You know? Now, you can decide the opposite. Now you can decide. This is the most extraordinary thing. And you can reinvent that story. Now, how do you put this thing down in such a way that when you put it down, that that moment becomes the, the vindicating climax of the entire story of your life? Well, you learn the trick of doing only the thing that Allah wants of you in the moment that you're in. In any situation that you're in, if you thought about it carefully, you're required to do one particular thing. And when you do that particular thing, that particular thing rounds up the entire story that happened prior to you, vindicates the entire story that happened prior to this, and, and, um, and affirms it. Makes it meaningful. Makes you want to say, ah, it was worth paying the money for that movie.
This is the most extraordinary experience. So you don't have to feel yourself the victim of, of history. Whether it's your own biography, or whether it's the, the, the history of the Ummah, or the history of the Muslims in South Africa, you do not have to be the slave that carries that story one step, miserable story one step further. You can be the one that redeems that story. But how do you redeem the story? You don't allow the beginning to define the end. You insist that the end defines the beginning. Because what happened prior to this moment does not exist at all other than a narrative, and I have every right to change my narrative about the thing without changing the event. If you think about absolutely anything that happened to you, you can describe that thing in two ways. You can either describe it as the most miserable thing that happened to you, terrible experience, you, you know, completely ruined my life. Or you can say that thing was the most extraordinary thing that happened to me. I learned so much. It was the most amazing experience. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily do it again, but it was the most amazing. Whether you affirm the thing or negate the thing, it's got nothing to do with the thing. It's got everything to do with you and your view of it now. So you can look back at the story of your life right now and you can redeem it. It is not a lost case. You are never a lost case. The only thing that makes you lost is this, this buying into this narrative of fallenness. And this, this yearning for this pristine uh, kind of um, original state. It's nonsense, that thing. The Medina will never come, gentlemen. It is naive. It has had its place historically. You are not the misformed lost soul at the end of 1600 years of, of Muslim history. You are the one who can vindicate the entire thing now. You're the one who can redeem the entire story now. You redeem it in two ways. First of all, you find what about it is affirmable. And you affirm it. You say this was a good thing, good narrative, good story. And the second thing is, you ask yourself, what is the one thing that my love wants me to do now? And you do that one thing. <clears throat> Which means you live in such a way that every moment... You permit, you give the moment permission to be the last moment. Hmm? If you live in such a way that there's no other story to be told after this, what I do now vindicates the whole story, which means the story can end. You see, if it doesn't vindicate the story, then there still needs to be, if, it doesn't, if it's not well, then it doesn't get that permission to end. So you've got to make sure that whatever you do, you do, you do, that it's, you do it well, so that the story can end. And it's never a complicated thing. It's the one noble act, the one generous act, the one courageous act, whatever your Rab puts in front of you in the situation. You do that one thing, and you'll vindicate the whole thing. And you'll redeem your life. From one point of view, 
our the escape from our alienated experience of ourselves and of our lives is so obvious it is so close at hand that we overlook it it is so easy Adin is a story of freedom. There's no human being who's more free than the one who can die now. And what makes it possible to be the one who can die now is that you've learned the trick to live so eloquently that there doesn't need to be another step. There doesn't need to, it's finished, it can finish now and it'll be fine. But if you carry on such a miserable account of the past, that it means that your experience of thing is so bad now, it means, hold on boys, we've got to fix this. I can't die now. So don't live in such a way that there's still something to be fixed. Discover how well the things worked, how fixed it actually is. Do the work to find out how fixed it is. Then there's no reason to have to finish the story, because then the story finishes. And then you live free. The only human being who's truly free is the human being who can walk out of life right now with no regret. The person who can't do that is a slave. May Allah grant us illness to him. May grant us annihilation in him. May grant us death before we die. In Allah, how will I get to his son?